I'm Jill Shaw, and you're listening to Last Night at School Committee. Ross Wilson and I are here to summarize for you what happened last night during the Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. In most cases, what happens at each school committee meeting has big implications for our students in our city. But that wasn't really true last night, Ross. Jill, this was the last school committee meeting of the summer, the last meeting before students go back to school one week from today. But it really wasn't much of a meeting at all. For the second time in a row, there's no quorum. In fact, the majority of the meeting, there's only one other member besides the chair at the meeting. The official meeting lasted just 15 minutes. And then it continued for several hours with presentations that were given by district leaders to what was essentially an empty panel of school committee members. And more than a dozen parents came to testify, again, in front of an empty panel. The school committee is a seven-member institution. And this meeting was added to the calendar more than two months ago. And it's virtual. I don't understand why five members of the committee can't show up for a few hours on a Wednesday evening to do the job the mayor appointed them to do. Right. Which is, in fact, to represent her constituents. It seems really irresponsible. We produce this podcast to help keep parents and community members informed about the decisions made at school committee. But this week, it also serves to update the school committee members themselves on the meeting they missed. And this meeting also comes at a really important time for the district. Our new superintendent, Mary Skipper, is set to start in a few weeks. Our schools are facing hundreds of key vacancies, including many vacant educator positions. The MBTA closures are impacting travel throughout Boston and therefore begs the question, how are some kids getting to school? And enrollment is down to an unprecedented scale. And on top of that, Jill, just this week, a new poll from Mass Inc. showed that parents' confidence in BPS has dramatically decreased over the past year. That's right, Ross. To clarify, the Shaw Family Foundation has been working with the Mass Inc. polling group to collect ongoing data every few months over the past year, tracking Boston parents' attitudes about Boston public schools. And the new data released this week shows a pretty dramatic change from what we were seeing a year ago. Only 29% of parents now say they are very satisfied with BPS, down from 41% at this time last year. And similar downward trends were seen on all other metrics, such as how well BPS is living up to its mission and how easy it is for parents to provide feedback to the district. This data has been all over the news this week, and in a recent meeting, the vice chair actually suggested that school committee collect exactly this type of data. Well, it's now been published, and yet no one asked about it or discussed it last night. But then again, there weren't many people there to discuss it. Jill, the trends over the past year paint a really disheartening picture for the district. When asked to name the top two groups of people that the Boston Public Schools is serving, the majority of parents did not name students as either in the top two, but many named district leaders and politicians instead. So to be clear, what parents are saying is the school system is serving politicians and district leaders rather than students. That's a change from a year ago when the majority of parents named students in this group. And similarly, when asked if they would choose to send their student to a BPS district school if presented with different options, the majority of parents would choose a different option other than BPS. So there's been a lot of news lately about the struggles within Boston public schools from the near takeover by the state to issues with transportation, school closures and more. And it's clear that this is being reflected in parents' perceptions of the district. But Ross, there was one promising number in the data. 85% of parents say they are following the news about Boston public schools, which is an increase actually from last year. Yeah, Jill, I mean, parents are paying attention and that's a really good thing. Our new superintendent, Mary Skipper, is starting in a few weeks. And this data sets an important baseline for her tenure. 
She has the opportunity to bring real improvement to the district in a time when people are engaged and ready for change. So that brings us to last night's meeting, which again, officially lasted only 15 minutes. Just like the previous meeting, the school committee moved the votes to the beginning of the meeting when a quorum was present and then continued with the rest of the agenda items that don't require a quorum. There were two votes last night at the top of the meeting. First, the school committee voted unanimously to pay the dues to the Massachusetts Association of School Committees. And second, the committee voted unanimously to approve about $300,000 in grants. Then the official meeting was adjourned just 15 minutes after it started. And the unofficial meeting continued with the acting superintendent report. That's right, Ross. Acting Superintendent Drew Eccleson began his report discussing the August 15th deliverables for the systemic improvement plan mandated by the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. As a reminder, these were all process-oriented deliverables and not outcome-oriented deliverables. They included a draft plan for multilingual learners, a revised policy manual for special education, and a plan for renovating bathrooms in 16 schools. The next set of deliverables is due on September 8th, the first day of school, and these include a new protocol for resolving parent complaints and revised protocols for student withdrawals. We heard that BPS has met all the August 15th deadlines and is on track to meet the September 8th deadlines. But Jill, you know, the September 8th deadlines, once school starts, we start getting outcomes. So we'll start to hear our buses on time. Are they picking up kids? Our parents' complaints getting answered, and we'll start to actually hear outcomes rather than just process goals. Dr. Eccleson next discussed an update on athletics in which he talked about new investments for student-athletes, including preseason physicals conducted in partnership with Mass General Hospital. He also mentioned new additions to the BPS leadership team and emphasized that all of these high-level hiring decisions are being made in close consultation with incoming superintendent Mary Skipper. Curiously, Jill, when he mentioned the new additions to the BPS leadership team, he didn't really tell us who the people were or, or give any background on the new leadership of the BPS. Right. We actually saw a new leader show up last night at the school committee with very little introduction. So it would be nice in future meetings to actually meet the new leadership of the, yeah. the central office and BPS. Yeah, especially if it's the new superintendent's leadership team as well. Yeah, maybe we'll hear about that next meeting. Mm. Jill, we're just one week away from the first day of school. Most students in BPS go back to school on September 8th, one week from today. And actually our kindergartners go back the week after. And in his acting superintendent report, Dr. Eccleson tried to set expectations for the first day beginning by saying that he fully expects what he calls hiccups. There will be some hiccups as we address some of the key challenges that are before us, um, but that we are ready um, uh, to, to meet the moment. And we are, are quite confident that it will be a strong start to the year for our 49,000 students across BPS. It's an interesting choice of words when we're talking about the reality that some students may not get to school on time or at all. Jill, when I talked to a parent yesterday who was sharing her anxiety about her daughter getting to school. Mm. Um, and she was saying that last year was so challenging for her and her daughter. And the bus never showed up and couldn't get her to school. And was literally a disaster. She couldn't get in touch with people. And if that's, I hope that's not a hiccup. And I hope that never happens again. But she was sharing with me yesterday. Like I, she was literally sharing her anxiety about, I just, yeah. I'm so worried about the first day of school. There's really big issues facing BPS, Jill, as it's ready to open, but one of the most significant is transportation, and that's what Dr. Eccleson focused on for the rest of his presentation. He noted that as a result of the Orange Line closures, BPS has worked with the bus drivers union to add new shuttle buses, 
and drivers, allowing yellow buses to focus on additional routes within the city and potentially providing smaller van transportation for students who attend school outside the city and outplacements. He also reiterated that the commuter rail will be free for all students and that students will not be penalized for being late due to transportation issues. Ross, Dr. Eccleston said last night that BPS currently has more bus drivers than it has ever had in its history. We have a significant number of more drivers than we've ever had in BPS's history to ensure that we have backup drivers to pick up routes that might be uh, running late because of traffic or other things. The rest of the acting superintendent's report covered back-to-school readiness, which was also the topic of the only report later in the meeting. So let's talk for a minute about what we heard in these two reports. So Jill, the biggest issue we heard about is hiring, is staffing. In fact, we heard that there's about 211 teacher vacancies still open and not hired for, and school starts one week from today. Yeah. It was noted that you know 211 vacancies is about 1.5 positions per school. Mm-hmm. However, these positions are clustered in a fewer number of schools. Right. We didn't really hear anything about what those schools were or what they're going to do about that. We also heard that these positions are also in content areas, like such as science, higher level science. So it sounds like they're high school positions. Mm -hmm. And it's really concerning because you can't just fill a high level content position Mm -hmm. like science without, you can't just fill it with a sub and have a person there each day. Actually providing adequate academic Correct. So we have, a, yeah. we have a really big problem with 211 teachers. And I guess, you know, we didn't hear anything about do parents know if their child will be in a classroom with a teacher or a certified teacher? We didn't really hear anything about how the parents will be notified. Right. But we are one week out, Jill. So it's definitely highly concerning. Yeah. In terms of paraprofessionals, we have 101 vacancies for paraprofessionals. These are really important roles for our early childhood classrooms where they provide support for our youngest learners, but they also provide support for our students with disabilities in classrooms. So have down, down 100 paraprofessionals. We also heard that we're down 28 safety specialists. These are people who are in schools, making sure our schools are safe every day. That's a pretty significant number. Mm-hmm. And then, Joe, one of my biggest concerns is this bus monitors. Uh, we're down 100 bus monitors. You know, these are positions in which are noted in students' individualized education plans for students who have a disability, um, they require some of those students require a bus monitor to ride the bus with them. Mm-hmm. And if there is not a bus monitor to ride the bus, that student is not taken to school. So being down 100 bus monitors is a really big deal. Now, Jill, we also heard that there's a lot of new positions. There's these new equitable literacy positions, which are coaching teachers to to coach others. And mm-hmm. it, these positions are secondary positions in my mind. Like yeah. right now, what I would have liked to hear the district say yesterday or last night was we will assign every one of our central office staff, Mm -hmm. anybody who's not teaching kids directly, Mm -hmm. we will make sure that they're riding the bus and making sure students can go to school. Can get to school Um, and get back home. Correct. And we're going to make sure that every one of our central office staff or any non-teaching staff who are qualified are going to be in our classrooms, serving as teachers or serving as paraprofessionals. Because we must first provide the basic services. We must first ensure that every student can actually go, can ride the bus to school and home from school. We must first ensure that every student has a teacher in front of them and has a paraprofessional to support them and that our students are kept safe. So I would encourage the district to take all the central office staff, Mm -hmm. all the staff who is not assigned to teaching students who are certified and qualified and put them into our school buildings, put them on our buses, and first and foremost, make sure our students can go to school. Last night, what we heard, Jill, was a lot of, we're trying, we're wondering, we're going to keep on working on it, we're going to talk to school leaders. But I did not hear any 
uh, exact messages to every family that don't worry, we will make sure your child can go to school. Yeah, it's definitely a case where trying isn't really good enough. Dr. Eccleson closed his acting superintendent's report last night by noting that the long-awaited report on the Mission Hill School investigation will be presented at the next meeting on September 14th. This was so curious because I think we just heard that they would not be presenting right. anything else on Mission Hill. Yeah. But now all of a sudden they will be presenting something on Mission Hill, maybe because it was, it's been in the media requesting it. This is a report that the former superintendent, Dr. Casilius, promised would be made public before she left in June. And we'll finally hear something at the next meeting about it. So it sounds like we'll hear about it at the next meeting several months after her departure. The meeting then moved on to public comment, where the majority of comments focused on health and safety concerns as students returned to school buildings still not fully equipped to handle COVID-19. Here's one parent expressing concern over the lack of detail from the district and from the city. In terms of ventilation and filtration, you know, underscore again that three quarters of BPS schools have no HVAC. And we're glad that, of course, you know, I'm concerned about the climate as well. I'm glad that Mayor Wu is doing a Green New Deal for BPS, but there's no information about ventilation. And we really want to hear about what investments the city is going to make in BPS schools around ventilation. Jill, I can't believe I'm saying this, but this is literally the fourth school year impacted by COVID. The fourth school year impacted by COVID. Fourth school year. Fourth school year. We are, we are in the fourth school year impacted by COVID. We're still hearing district leaders talk about efforts to install new AC units, oh, yeah. uh, which they say now, Jill, don't worry, we will have AC completed by the next summer. Next summer. Right. It's very hot right now, but uh, next summer we'll have AC units in all of our schools. Well, that'll be good to see. After public comment, we heard the report, which was about school reopening. And with the chair and just one member left in the meeting, it concluded and everyone said goodnight around 7.30 p.m. So we are one week away from school starting. There are 400 open positions in the schools, over half of those which are educators, plus critical bus monitor and safety positions without which students will be unable to attend school. Additionally, the district is still working to install the same COVID mitigation efforts we've heard about for over two years. Enrollment is continuing to decline, and so apparently is the school committee's attendance at their own meetings. It's understandable that parents are losing confidence in the district, and it's clear there's a lot of important work ahead for the new superintendent when she takes a helm later this month. And that's what happened last night at the Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. Here are some of the questions that we think are worth asking. Students will return to school next week. How will the district deal with the hiccups Dr. Eccleson mentioned during the meeting? How will the district fill key open vacancies for the first day of school? When will parents find out if their child will or will not have a certified teacher on the first day of school? Will students be able to get to school without a bus monitor? And will we have a quorum for the entirety of the next school committee meeting? And of course, there are ways to engage and get involved. Uh, Boston Public Schools is hosting two virtual back-to-school community engagement meetings, the first of which is tonight at 6 p.m., and the second of which will be held on September 10th at 10 a.m. More information about these meetings is included in our blog. And sign up for our email list at shawfoundation.org to learn more about our work and be notified when new podcast episodes are available. Thank you for listening to Last Night at School Committee. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast, and if you did, please rate, review, like, and share it with your fellow friends, parents, and residents of Boston. We all have a stake in the future success of Boston students. Have a great day.